Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. With one Super Bowl in the rear view mirror, we get set for another Super Bowl this weekend. Good to have you with us on Fantasy Sports Daily. Kyle Alfred, Ray Flowers. Ray Flowers appears to be a Daytona 500 fan. Look at that track. Watch out, Ray. There's cars behind you. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about NASCAR today. We were joking before the show. I haven't done a NASCAR league. I think I've done one in my life, and it was probably 10, 12 years ago. So, uh, Interested to get Rich Mileto on, talk a little bit to someone who actually knows what it's all about. Yeah. I like driving, Kyle, so I might as well like racing, too. Yeah, love talking to Rich. Uh, he's a gearhead. He loves this sport. He's been following it for years. He's participated, not in NASCAR level, but he's been a racing guy for many, many years. And, of course, we know Rich from talking football, uh, but uh, he and Sean Engle, uh, they'll got you covered on uh, NASCAR and Xfinity and trucks. Yes, there are ways to make money with all these sports, so we're going to talk it over Coming up a bit later in the show, Daytona 500 is uh, coming up on Sunday. Uh, they used to race this on the sand, Ray. They, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. yeah. They used to race around on the sand in Daytona. I think it's uh, actually stiff or hard or stable enough, you know, because you kind of think to yourself, like, have you ever tried to ride a bike on the beach, Ray? It's, it's I've seen a lot of people do it with the beach cruisers and the fatter tires and all that. I have not done it myself. Yeah. It's difficult. You got to have the right set of uh, conditions with yeah. the sand. On the beach but uh, it's doable i know like I, i've been to uh where was it south carolina you got really you know well-packed sand and you can easily ride your bike on that but uh, racing cars on sand i don't know if we're ever going to go back to those days um but we will talk some daytona 500 talk dfs kind of talk about what rich and sean do throughout the year that is all coming your way but the main focus today is going to be a lot of baseball as is usual uh we get closer and closer to the official start of spring training uh, we get closer and closer probably to so many of your draft days out there. And so what Ray and I are doing is pretty well every day, just tackling the stories that come our way, giving you team previews, talking about the uh, Fantasy Guru Draft Guide. Uh, we're going position by position. We'll finish up third base today. In terms of uh, columns, cheap power. Ray, you're going to tell us who the guys are, right? You're going to give us the lowdown on who to get late, who's going to get 25 home runs, and they've never hit 10, right? We're going to have jumps like that, right? Well, if you subscribe to FantasyGuru.com and read the entire article, yes, you'll get that information. Uh, we will mention a few names here uh, for free on the show. But, yeah, it's part of the part of the package over there. And, we, you know, it's, it's, a great, it's a great area to look. And I think it might have meant a little bit more 10 years ago, maybe five years ago. Now there's a lot of power to be found. But, yeah, yeah we'll absolutely talk about it. Cheap power. It's always fun to find it in uh, round 20 and beyond. Uh, the Chicago White Sox will be our team preview. Uh, yesterday was the Red Sox. Today it will be the White Sox. And uh, Ray, whereas I, I had to apologize for maybe being a bit rough on the Red Sox, um, I will note with the White Sox that uh, you look at this team and I was, we'll go through this, but Ray, I feel like there are on the whole roster like five guys that should be drafted. <laughs> it's, rough. It, it, it's yeah. <laughs> There's guys at the top of the order. The back of the lineup with the White Sox is brutal. Uh, the rotation has one guy and then a bunch of flotsam, you know, behind him. Jetsam. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what's going on with the bullpen. So we'll, we'll talk about the White Sox. we got to preview every team, but uh, we'll hit on the White Sox coming up. Uh, third base prospects for 2024. Actually, a pretty good list of third base prospects that we can uh, talk about. Uh, news and notes, Yuri Perez, Dodgers bullfin, Rob Manfred. Everybody loves talking that. And then as mentioned, Daytona 500 with Rich. So, Ray, let's start off with uh, some of the gimmies, some of the nice things, some of the specials that uh, you and the powers that be at Fantasy Guru have created Tell us what we got going on most especially with that draft guide. Yeah, I can always use the promo code FSD20, FSD20. That gets you the discount on products like the baseball guide. We have the early bird pricing right now. So if you apply the FSD20 promo code, you get the full season of Major League Baseball coverage for $40. Flat rate all the way through the World Series. Boom, done. 40 bucks. Do it. Sign up. Get our FSD20. Uh, we also have our all-in NBA package which includes NBA, NHL, college basketball, PGA, soccer, 
and racing. So we'll talk with Rich Mileto later. You can get part of that uh, in the NBA All-In Package. You get all of those sports for just $75. So whether you want to go all-inclusive there or whether you want to just jump in for the baseball, we got you covered over fantasyguru.com. Love to hear it. Absolutely. And, uh, of course, Discord is open for all of our subscribers, whether you're looking for, for some race advice or UFC or soccer's back this weekend. We got basketball and hockey still doing their thing. So the coverage absolutely continues at uh, fantasyguru.com. Sure, the NFL season may be quote-unquote over, but uh, <laughs> there are still six or seven sports that we're covering every single day over at fantasyguru.com. So uh, do check it out, whatever kind of floats your boat. Th these are these are quiet days in one aspect, but these can also be very busy days if uh, you want to play some DFS because there's stuff to play each and every day. And we got columns on uh, what you should be playing, how you should be playing each and every day. Let us get into the baseball. That is uh, the main focus today. little baseball, little racing. Uh, Ray, we start with uh, kind of our Fantasy Guru Draft uh, Guide preview article. Uh, yesterday on the program, we talked launch angle. And uh, I brought up the fact that uh, I think I was looking at your graph. And, you know, if your launch angle was 15%, zero home runs last year. Like, literally, it's impossible to hit a home run with a 15% launch angle. It's a little better as you go up into 18 and 19 and 20. And all this kind of lends itself to talking about power and talking about home runs. So today we thought we'd talk about cheap power. And uh, Ray got an article up at fantasyguru.com, a uh, part of the uh, draft guide that people can check out. Um, and, and what do we, you know, with cheap power, Ray, it's maybe you should define this. Um, there are some guys that hit 25, 30 home runs. Mm -hmm. they're obviously not cheap. They're going to cost you first, second, third, those kind of guys. There are other guys who maybe get you 30 home runs and uh, they're, they're deficient elsewhere. So they fall into, you know, the 12th round or the 15th round. And then there are some guys, Ray, that you don't even draft for power, but all of a sudden they go for power. So are you talking more about those guys who fall in drafts, but can hit home runs or maybe guys that can take a leap in that home run category this year. Yeah, as you can see there on, on the screen, there's a list of players that have varying ADPs. Uh, some of the guys are, are kind of targets. Other guys, what the hell? Other guys you're not even drafting. So I think that the cheap power can be really, it's open definition, right? I don't think there's a definitive, it's got to be this this many home runs are going to be hit or this much growth or this ADP cost. I think it's basically about finding really uh, players that are undervalued in the power department. You know, someone that, like you said, that no one's expecting to hit 25 home runs, it's going to. Uh, someone that maybe hits 25, 30 home runs, but the rest of their game is a little weak, so they're not someone that's overly excited. Maybe the player's looking at a potential platoon. Maybe there's worried about a youngster coming up and usurping some of the playing time. But basically just undervalued assets in the power category is kind of the, the overall rubric that we're talking about here, Todd. I think a lot of times when people are looking for power, wherever it's at in the draft, they, they've got their available players, and Ray, they probably just sort by home runs. I think that's what a lot of people do. Home runs of last season. Very fair. Home runs this season. You've got these other factors to look at. You know, the home run's the result, but how do we get to that home run? These other factors kind of build into the, the home run number, if you will. Mm -hmm. Would you ever sort by, by these things before you would sort by home runs <laughs> last season when you're kind of looking for, you know, cheap power? Maybe it's a guy who only hit 17 home runs last year. But these factors like barrel rate or home park or fly ball rate indicate, gosh, it wouldn't take much for him to get to 25. Do you sort by any of these things or is it still kind of sort by home runs and then go from there? Well, I, I will just point it out. Next week is kind of home run week at fantasyguru.com. So there'll be a whole series, like four articles all talking just about home runs. So we could really dig in. This is kind of just one aspect of it. So look for more of the analysis next week. I think that it's easiest. I mean, Say, I'll back up even from, from that question before hitting it directly. When you use, you know, whether it's RT Sports or Yahoo or CBS or Fan Tracks, whatever the hell you use, you've got to go through and look at how they rank players. Because some services, you'll see a guy rank 250 and other services rank 450, right? Mm -hmm. You just so you have to check their ADP and make sure you're not missing players, number one. Back to your question. I think the easy way that most people do this, there are people that are really analytical that come with their own rankings. You know, they're using fantasy guru rankings. Excuse me. We have power grades. So there's that's a whole other thing, too. If you want to look at the power grades for each position, we've got that. If you're talking about searching on draft day at your draft, I think you're behind the eight ball. Because what you're likely to be doing is, you're, to your point, Kyle, searching last year's home run total or searching this year's home run projection. That, that's mm -hmm. like what most sites have. 
you could have fan graphs open or something and be searching that way too. You could, depending upon, you know, how involved you want to get here. But I would really like to see people prior to the draft read articles like the cheap power and the home run articles that'll be out next week, come up with a plan. And then on their draft sheet, I don't know, make a yellow check mark or put yeah. a red X or so, something to say this at this position, these are the four guys, these are the three guys here, that kind of a thing. So that you kind of have targets because if you're relying upon a website or relying upon last year's numbers, you may be missing the boat. Yeah, I, I think that idea of like, you know, most of us have a pretty good working knowledge of, oh, this guy's a top 10 third baseman, top 10 first baseman, you know, top 30 outfielders. But going outside of those parameters and kind of using that color-coded system, Ray, to where, hey, if I need speed late, here's a guy with a red dot. Red dots mean speed. Or to your point, like we're talking about today, cheap power. Oh, that guy gets a, a purple dot. You know, that could be the power. And it makes it really quick to, to scan. You know, you can tie it up to position, tie it up to statistical need. Now, this piece is up and available in the draft guide. If you sign up, $40, you're going to read this whole piece. you got a lot of names on this mm -hmm. piece. You, you pointed out a few of them here on this graphic we've got. I, I think Patrick Wisdom, I mean, nobody wants them. 650 is the ADP. But, Ray, that's a 20-home run bat probably, um, if not more. You know, things really broke his way. Uh, that could be 25-30. You know, he's just one of those guys who, in effect, stands up there and swings for the fences. Playing time and strikeouts are a problem, but I get that. People know the name Brandon Lowe, you know, with Tampa Bay. We've seen some big years from him. The two other names that you've got mentioned here might be a little fresh. Will Benson of Cincinnati, which we hear so much about the Reds, but not so much Will Benson. And then also Matt Walner of Minnesota. So let's let's focus on those two guys. Benson, as you can see, right inside the top 300 overall. And then Walner sitting uh, more into the solidly 300s. 360 is his current ADP. Yeah, Benson's a really intriguing player, and we saw this last season, and some of it gets lost a little bit because he didn't have 600 plate appearances, and frankly, he's a platoon guy. He's not good against left-handed pitching. So, you know, if you're in a league where you, you have a, a really condensed roster, if you're in a league where you can't change your lineup on a daily basis, Benson's a little bit more tougher to, to, to go with because he's probably not going to play against a bunch of lefties, and even if he does, he's not going to do anything because he just hasn't shown an ability there. But... His work against right-handed pitching was stellar. Last year, he had a 250 isolated power mark. League average is about 165, so he, he did a really good job there. Uh, he had a 550 slugging percentage, and he had a home run to fly ball ratio of about 18%. So all of those numbers are all-star level. Uh, and, you know, he's a young player that I think is still ascending. He's got some speed, too, which is always nice. Not many power guys also bring the speed, unless you're, as you mentioned earlier, spending that second, third round, you know, cost on a player. So Benson's very attractive with the understanding that, you know, even hitting 30 home runs might be difficult for him because of his struggles against lefties. But against right-handed pitching, he was stellar last year. And there's a lot of reasons to think he'll be – I don't know if as successful is the right way to put it, but he'll be damn successful against him again this year. Yeah, that home park obviously does him favors. It has for years with Cincinnati. Any guy who can get the ball up in the air is going to have success. You mentioned that home run to fly ball ratio, um, and it is pretty high. I think you said 18-6 or something, uh, which is a good number. What, what's his fly ball rate look like? Because that's the other part of that, right? It's great to have that number, but if we're not hitting enough fly balls to take advantage of that percentage, you kind of wonder if we're getting the, the true uh, exposure to Will Benson. Yeah, Will Benson is uh, 40%, yeah. league average 35, yeah. 36. So it's not a number. And, and, and that's, I think, part of the reason he's also attractive, because we're talking about power, of course. But, you know, he hit 275 last year. You know, does he hit 250 this year? Does he hit 230 this year? Does he hit 275? You know, the contact rate was poor. It was very poor. He had a 31% strikeout rate overall last season. So he's in the danger zone of hitting 230, 240, right? That's... That, so he's got to do a better job with the contact rate, but I do like where his fly ball ratio is at. 15% launch angle, I like that. I think that piece is nice, but he does need to make more contact. Uh, that other name, Matt Walner, is is kind of wild to look at. Now, Ray, the, the problem is we've got less than 100 games. Yeah. So that, that's one issue we've got. But OPS plus last year of 139, 39% above the league average. Um, his OPS overall was 877. Um, 14 homers in 213 at bats. I mean, these are <laughs> these are impressive numbers, and you don't hear anything about Matt Waldner, so it is very cheap power coming into this season. 
Yeah, and I think in the case of the, doesn't it seem like everyone on the Twins is like a twenty-two home run hitter? It seems like they mm-hmm. got all these guys, right? And it's like, oh, where are we going? Everything's Durant, even, even with the Twins. There's no like standout yeah. dudes anywhere. It's just even across the board. Yeah, I mean, the, we talked yesterday about Royce Lewis. The hope is obviously he becomes yeah. that. Byron Buxton, we can all wish on, of course. But you know, you got Trevor Larnick, who's kind of hanging around, and you know, is he ever going to? He's another power guy. Is he ever going to develop? You've got Jose Miranda coming back from the shoulder issue. What's he going to be? You've got Alex Kirilov coming back from injury after injury. What's he going to be? So there, there's a chance that all these guys don't push Walner out of playing time, but limit him to 450 plate appearances this year. Like that, that could happen. It could be 390, right? It could happen. There's also a scenario clearly where he hits 30 home runs for the Twins this year and gets 575 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, and like you said, he's barely inside the top 360. If you're in a 12-team league with 30 roster spots, he's, he's right there and not even being drafted, right? So he he is someone that has immense power. I always talk about the scouting grade just because it's easy. You know, the 2080 scale, 80s Hall of Fame, 70s elite. He's like a 70 on the power scale. Like, I don't think anyone thinks that if this guy gets 500 at-bats, he's not hitting 25 home runs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about, is he going to get the 500 at-bats and what does the rest of his game look like? But he's going to hit the ball deep. He's going to have a lot of power doing it. And and just to do the math for people out there, if you're in a, a typical 12-team league, and let's say you're going 30 rounds, he's Mr. Irrelevant. He could be the last pick of the draft um, that you could have. So, you know, no, no one is sitting here and saying Matt Walner will hit 30 home runs. But if you find yourself in round 28, 29, and you're wondering, well, a little short on power, which I, Walner's perfect. You know, he's one of those guys. And if it's if the playing time's not there or if the batting average crashes and burns, you know, you can always move on. There's no cost here. I mean, it's it's free. So it's one of those guys to always have a list. And it, it, we, we talk about this constantly. Like, it's preparation, folks. Yeah, you can't just show up and go. And, and a lot of people do. But if you care about it, if you're trying to win, if you're in a competitive league, it's kind of having those notes handy. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember Matt Walner. Ray and Kyle talked about him in the middle of February. And here I am in the last week of March, and I'm remembering that from six weeks ago. Those moments uh, can at least make you feel good with your pick Uh, instead of the scrambling around and just yelling out a name and, oh, it's Julio Urias and he doesn't have a team. And you just totally wasted a pick. So those are things to keep in mind. Anyway, Cheap Power, the article is up as a whole. You can check it out at the Fantasy Guru Draft Guide. Speaking of power, not really cheap, but power, let's go to the south side of Chicago, a uh, ballpark that uh, usually plays up power, plays up offense. I don't know if it will this year. It's time for our team preview of all things White Sox. And uh, Ray, I don't know how many people caught it in the uh, preseason. I guess it was back at maybe the owners' meetings or the GM meetings. I think it was the GM meetings because Chris Getz is the new GM of the Chicago White Sox. Um, nobody really saw that coming, uh, that Chris Getz was going to be the guy, former Kansas City Royal. I think he played for the White Sox, too. And he was quoted as saying, I do not like this team. Like, there was more to it, Ray, but he's like, we got talent, but the way this team's built is not the way I want to build a team. Right. So they have gone into this offseason, Ray, and it. I don't know if we've gotten to the full-blown rebuild yet because you still have some guys like Dylan Cease, Luis Robert, uh, a guy we're going to talk about in a moment. Like, there's still some higher end, top end talent, but there is a huge gulf between the top and some of the things they've done in the offseason. And if you look at guys they've added this offseason, Ray, this is one of the more uninspiring collections. Martin Maldonado, Paul DeYoung, Nicky Lopez, the, the, all three of those guys probably are starting for this team, by the way. Um, Mike Soroka, Eric Fetty. John Brebia. I mean, these are like, right. These are guys who are barely major leaguers in a lot of cases. Uh, but that's the moves the White Sox have been making. So this is a team Ray that again, has the three or four guys that are interesting, but after that, it's pretty empty on the Chicago White Sox roster. Yeah. And the name John Brebia better be a, someone that everyone knows. Cause it looks like he's going to open the year as the closer for this team. Um, Eric Fetty went across seas and had a great return. They need him to throw, you know, 180 innings this year. I mean, so, yeah, it's, you know, there's a couple of players coming up prospect-wise are really intriguing with this team. But really, this is a team that's kind of in no man's land. Like, they don't have a great farm system. They certainly don't have a great major league roster. Where are they at? They're kind of in limbo. And that's a tough place to be as an organization because 
you know, you, you like you're talking about, you got to tear it down to some degree. You have to. But how do you do that and remain remotely competitive at the big league level? And and I mentioned, you know, we'll talk about Cease. And obviously, we, Luis Robert had a very good season last year. You know, he's a top 30, 35 player in all fantasy setups. People are thinking Cease, at the very least, is a solid SP2. So that, there's those guys. And then there's a third guy, Ray. And, and that's where we're going to start with our player profile. It's Eloy Jimenez, who looks the part, seems the part. We've seen the moments, Ray, where, where wow. That ball looked like it was a 495-foot home run. I mean, this guy can smoke the baseball. Unfortunately, you selected just about the perfect image of Eloy Jimenez. It's tossing the bat down in disgust and clinching, you know, near his peck in this case. But there's always something keeping this giant. He's he's just a big dude, Ray, who seems to have big injury issues right now. Yeah, and he's hurt himself swinging. He's hurt himself running. He's hurt himself playing defense. And, you know, it's it's been five years now. And one of those seasons was COVID 2020, but it's been five years. And when you're five years into your career and everyone, scouting community-wise, thinks that you're a you know four or five hitter for a decade, you're a potential all-star, right? Everyone think, thinks that. When you're that level of player and you've been around for five years and your highest games played total and your highest home run total were in your rookie season, we got a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this wasn't Mark McGuire hitting 49 home runs and batting 287 as a rookie, right? This is, you know, he had 31 home runs, which is nice, played 122 games. As you see on the screen there, we're five years in, he's never played 125 games. Yeah. I mean, and so, you know, this, this, he's not all the way Byron Buxton, but he's, he's on the cusp of going mm-hmm. full Byron Buxton. And you can see there on the screen too, per 162 games played, there it is. 275, 30, 100, exactly as people anticipated he would perform. He is doing it. He's just never on the field. Well, we were just talking about cheap power, Ray. I mean, this guy has crazy raw power uh, because of the injury issues. He is kind of cheap. I mean, his ADP is outside the top 200 for a guy like this. I mean, that's he's not going to cost you a whole lot to take a shot on this guy. And, and you're 100% right on the games played. And I would never sit here and say this is the year. But I think even at 115, 120 games as a 215th, 215th overall pick, not a bad direction to go. His his average has been steady. You know, there's that. Um, he's still going to be in the middle of this lineup. There's that. Like, it's it's the pieces are there. It's just a matter of him staying in the batter's box and, and being available for, for months at a time. Yeah, he's really good. And then he, you know, there's a lot of players, and you think about, there's a lot of players who always talk about DeGrom and, and, and Kershaw, guys that are out of the lineup all the time, but when they're there, they're really good. There's been a lot of that with Eloy Jimenez, which is surprising because this guy gets hurt. He gets hurt all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised he didn't get hurt walking from the batter's box to home plate. He gets hurt all the time, but he's still been productive. And, you know, I'm not going to say there's really been growth because I don't think there has been. I think that it's just, he's always been stopped by the injury bug, but just to say it, his strikeout rate has gone down every season of his career. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about a guy who has 30 home run potential, as we're seeing there, who has, you know, a strikeout rate below the league average, that's very attractive, right? So you've got the power, you've got the contact ability to your point. That's why he's a 275 career hitter and not a 245 career hitter. If he hit 290 with 35 home runs this year, I think people would say that's surprising, but yeah, okay. The well, if he gets there, Ray, he's well over 100 ribbies. Yeah. But and the, he's probably close to 90 runs scored. I mean, it could be that epic of a season for it him. Very, it very well could be. The problem is the likelihood of that happening is tiny. Like, we have the mm-hmm. dependability grades over at FantasyGuru.com, and I don't remember offhand what Eloy's at, at a, you know, I probably got him at 3 out of 10. Like, it's <laughs> not – you You have there's no confidence mm-hmm. that he's going to be on the field. So – if you take Eloy, you have to have aisle spots. I don't think if you're in a league that ha- doesn't have them that it, he's worth it because he's going to get hurt. All right, and I hate to say that, and you don't know the future, but he's going to get hurt. The question is, does he miss 20 days? Does he miss 50 days? We just don't know. Yeah. So, Well, and, and you, when you brought up Buxton, Ray. You know, that was a guy. We knew he was going to get hurt. It was always, But you had to draft him in the top 100 mm-hmm. like Byron. Now, nowadays, I don't know if that – but for four years, it was still like you had to draft him in the top one. Again, Jimenez, it – Honestly, Ray, in the 200s, you know, they, they all got major issues. <laughs> you know, there's something and, – and injury can be a big one. But, man, it's in the 200s, I'm fine with it. 
And, and that's even with, hey, if it's an injury, I didn't lose anything. And I drafted this guy in the 19th round. Like, that's it's going to happen to all these guys, and they're all going to miss time. But it's totally different if the cost is I got to draft this guy in the sixth round versus I'm drafting this guy in the 19th round. And that's what's really attractive with him and Ezra is I guess he's been so frustrating over the years that people are just like, Pounding him down, 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 down. Other young guys are moving up. The White Sox aren't exciting. You know, it's kind of an ugly situation there. And all that's piled onto Jimenez. And you see it in his draft day cost. It's just pretty low right now. And one other thing to note, he is a player that it depends upon your league settings. He played 105 games at DH. He only played 14 games in the outfield oh, last year. Wow. Okay. So if you have a 20-game qualification, he's not an outfielder. If you have a 15-game qualification, he's not an outfielder. So you're going to need that number to be 10. So that also dings him a bit right because you know we're not talking about a fifth round pick okay but i like to have some positional flexibility uh and so we're talking about a player that's not going to have it the leagues i participate in and there's an injury risk so it's you know that's another reason why like he's not in the cheap power car column because it's like an article because it's like i just see roadblocks here i could do it but i see roadblocks here that is a look at Eloy Jimenez. How about four questions for this White Sox team? Up first, Ray, Dylan Cease. We still don't know if he's going to make it the whole year with Chicago. But most people seem to just be giving him a pass on last season. He has an ERA, and I know ERA is not a perfect stat, but he was at 2-2-0 in 2022. And Ray, it went to 4-6 in 2023. His wins... Fell from 14 to 7. Um, he still got strikeouts. He still threw innings. But people were really let down by him a year ago. It appears, though, that people are giving him the pass and still treating him like a stud and high-end pitcher. Well, it's tough because he's got some Charlie Morton in him. He's got some Robbie Ray in him. And we've seen that the last two years that, you know, he's he's been healthy and thrown innings, which is not Robbie Ray. Uh, but he he's done that. He's produced strikeouts. But there are games where he just doesn't have it. There are just games where he doesn't control the strike zone. And some some games he doesn't walk a bunch of guys and doesn't control the strike zone. And then he gets hit around a little bit. And then there are games where he just doesn't control the strike zone. And he's mm -hmm. it's all he's scattershot. And you know, last year he's 28 years old. Okay. I like the durability and the strikeouts. And I think those continue regardless of what the ratios are. But you do look at last last season, you know, the strikeout rate was 27%, was over 30% the previous two years. That's you know. I don't want a significant drop, but it's it's worth noting that that's that's a bigger drop than you'd like to see. And so I think it's just he's he was never going to repeat the 2-2 the ERA. I think I wrote last year his, his, his you know, ERA is going up a run and a half, and it went up even more than that. So I'm a little surprised how high it did get, to your point. But he's um, he's not a ratio booster. And, mm. it, you know, we're, again, five years into his career. He's never learned to control the strike zone. Uh, four of the five years, he's had a walk rate of over 10% which is well above the league average. His whip is going to be league average. And you then seem it's just, pretty cold on C's. You're kind well, of, yeah. you know, it's, I think it comes down to the price point because again, if he throws 175 innings and strikes out 210 guys, I'm not going to look askance at that. I think that very legitimate happened. Mm -hmm. uh, now the problem is, is he going to win 13, 14 games with this team? Like he did the previous two years before last season. That's risky. And then the ratios, if the, if the ERA is four and the whip is one, two, nine, Okay, right. I can use that with the strikeouts, but it's hard to get excited about him uh, getting back to those 2022 levels with the ratios. Item number two, the bullpen, most notably the ninth inning. Liam Hendricks is uh, out. Uh, he ain't coming back. And Ray, this is one of those bullpens, honestly, I have no idea. Uh, a lot of, you know, I like to go cheap at, at closer. This would mm -hmm. usually be a team where I'd say, okay, nobody, you know, it's kind of a mess. Nobody, but I'll take this one guy, you know. But the problem is, Ray, I guess Brebbia is the guy right now. I just don't have faith in him staying the guy. Everybody else is a mess. There's there's retreads here. There's ancient guys here. There's young guys here. This is really a ninth inning with the White Sox I don't want to touch. I don't Even if Brebbia wins this job, Ray, he's not going to be one of my late-round relief targets this season. Yeah, the, the, the positive for Brebbia is even though he appears to be the guy right now, no one cares. <laughs> right? So like you're saying, he could be someone you take in the 25th round. No one cares. Okay. So, you know, the question becomes, if he's successful in this role, what does that mean? If it's 18 saves, okay. Right. Then I'm, okay. I can spend a 29th round pick on an 18 save. Okay. What if it's eight? 
And that's the real issue. This could be, a, I mean, they got rid of the Santos, who we thought established himself last year. He got traded to the Mariners. They brought in Jesse Chavez, to your point. Jesse Chavez could lead this team in saves. You know, sure. he might he might <laughs> throw 51 innings, might lead the team in saves. We're going to have 19 saves to lead the team. We don't know. Yeah. Um, they mentioned that Crochet, who's been a reliever and a starter, they want him to start. So he's out of the bullpen mix. So it's Brevia by default, but it is tough with Brevia, given his background, given his age, given everything, to look at him and think, well, yeah, now at 34 years of age, he's going to do something and be successful at doing something he's never done before. Question number three for the White Sox. Is there anything more to Andrew Vaughn? Um, I know that is not a name that elicits a lot of excitement, but Ray, we should remind everybody he was top. I think he was number three in his draft class. Yeah, third overall in the first round. That was back in 2019. Uh, he has played a lot, Ray. Three seasons of you know, he's got 413 games in three seasons. That's 130, 135 games a year. And it's not bad, but Ray was supposed to be better. Yep. You know, the thing was, Andrew Vaughn can hit. That guy's going to hit. And he has not embarrassed himself. And Ray, it's fine as is, but more was expected. Do you think more is in the cards for Andrew Vaughn? I want to say yes. He went to Cal. Go, go Cal Bears. Uh, my grandmother, grandfather's alma mater. Um, it's hard to say yes. He and, and the thing you have working against him is he was terrific in college. He he has a great hit tool. Everyone said that. He turns 26 in April, so it's not like he's at an age where his his growth as a player could be could be you know, curtailed. But just haven't seen any growth on the field. And there, every year we come here and we get. Oh, this has changed. It's going to be better. It's good. And it's the same kind of. Bleh. Yeah. And so he's in that, you know, he's in the Nathaniel Lowe zone where it's like, could, could he, could Vaughn have a season where he hits 290 with 28 home runs? Yes. Is he more likely to hit 268 with 23 home runs? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't see any overt signs of him significantly improving upon last season. Wouldn't be shocked if he did improve, but significantly no. Yeah, and, and this will be year number four, so it's, uh, you know, it's not do or die. He can stick in the major leagues for eight, nine years, but it's kind of, will there be more? This may be the year we determine that, which leads us to the fourth and final question, Ray. Vaughn's getting set for year four. We're still kind of wondering, still giving him a chance. Uh, number four is a guy entering year nine, and I only bring this guy up, Ray, because he's probably, again, hit near the top of the order. It's Yohan Mankata, and <laughs> we've been down this road a lot, Ray. This guy, even more so than Andrew Vaughn, when Mankata came up, that was going to be a superstar. Superstar. And it, yeah. And every year, Ray, it's like you look at this stat and it's like, oh, he's figured it out. Or you consider, oh, that that September and that looked good. Or, you know, this is the year he's really. And Ray, again, welcome to year nine of just getting a bunch of blah. I mean, really nothing that stands out with Yoan Mankata anymore. And 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 I've you know I've fallen for it in previous years, taking Mankata and saying this is the year, and every year I'm disappointed. And you know I'll get to this in a bit, but the guy I'm passing on is Yoan Mankata. I'm done. <laughs> I am out with Mankata. Are you? Yeah, a lot of people I think don't remember or they've just lost it because they've stopped worrying about it. But Yoan Mankata was supposed to hit 20 runs and still 40 bases every year. <laughs> like he was supposed to be a star. Kyle wasn't making that up. He was supposed to be a star. And in the minors, he was right. Like we saw. Hasn't happened. He had one great year. Now, the problem was the great year was 2019. And it's so that's a long time ago. But he hit 315 with 25 home runs, stole 10 bases. He was he didn't run as much as anticipated. But offensively, he was the guy everyone said was there. Then COVID hit and then injuries started happening in the last couple of years. Bleh. And he's 28. And, and, and let's just say, right, 2019 was great, but it yeah. stands absolutely yeah. apart from everything else he's ever yeah. done. And he's 28. Like this is, you know, is he going to be out of baseball 31? I don't know. I mean, you, you, I don't, I don't think he's even worthy of saying I'm out on because you can't be in on him. Like I, <laughs> I just, you can't, it, it, you know, he's a guy that gets picked up off the waiver wire in, you know, late April when you have an injury and you hope you get a good three weeks. Like that's just where he's at right now. I see no signs or reasons to believe that let a star, but let alone just a good fantasy option is lurking right now. Well, well, he is my pass on guy. I'll go the cheap route. How about you? Who, who are you looking at this White Sox team and saying, oh, I'm out totally on this guy? Yeah, it's not, not <laughs> everyone. Yeah. Um, We're at players seven through 25. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm going to say it just because he's been my guy for so long and I've always defaulted him. Their leadoff hitter, Andrew Benintendi. Fair. 
take a chance on, I'm going to go Eloy. I love that cost for what he has as a skill set. So he's still a guy I'll take a shot on this year. Don't take a shot on Michael Kopech. I'm going to take a shot on Dominic Fletcher. What the hell? What the hell? They added him. We should bring him up because that's a name nobody knows. And they're wondering who the hell is. Uh, What was it? Traded in the offseason, I think. Yeah, it was kind of early in the offseason from Mm -hmm. Arizona to Chicago. And it looks, I guess he's a starter for the White Sox. I think so. He's 26. So he's one of these players that is older than you obviously would like to see for a guy that's only, you know, got 30 games at the big league level or whatever, but he showed very well at the Diamondbacks last year. I think that there's an opportunity here for him to play every day. Got a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, 20 home runs, 13 steals, like that kind of stuff is, is in the realm of possibility here. I think there'll be some struggles with him, but you know, his cost, like we're talking about is non-existent right now. Mm -hmm. And he certainly has an option to at least be a good play in an A only setup. Um, in terms of prospects, yesterday when we were talking about Boston, we brought up Marcelo Mayer at, at shortstop. Ray, the White Sox also have a high-end shortstop. And honestly, I'd probably prefer this guy over Mayer if I had to choose one to stash or one to play with. It's Colson Montgomery. And we, we brought up the fact that Paul DeYoung is the current shortstop. Ray, I expect Montgomery up and being the shortstop for this team by June or July. I don't think it's really early in the season. Um, but he should be able to hit a lot. He's a big dude, left-handed side. Um, again, I, I think you never know when a rookie gets called up what they're going to truly do. Some guys hit the ground running and, and excel. Other guys do not. Uh, but I think he is a guy, again, late in the draft, if I was a little thin at shortstop or didn't really like my top option, I, I, I think he's one of the first high-end rookie arrivals that we have this season in the bigs. Yeah, Paul DeYoung is serviceable. Right, he is. And this is a White Sox team that can use serviceable, uh, to your point. Uh, but Montgomery is someone that we're going to see this year. He has oodles of potential. He could, he's one of these, I don't say rare, but one of the few rookies that you see making an impact in year one, and you wouldn't be surprised by that. You've laid it out very well. So he's definitely someone, I don't think you can draft him because I just, you know, mm-hmm. we're not, not sure when it's going to happen and all that. The White Sox might delay it if he struggles a little bit because they'll look to build up Paul DeYoung's value to trade him for some, you know, so it's one of those things. But once Montgomery arrives, we're going to get a fervor in the fantasy space. In in a typical league, like a 12-team, 29, 30 rounds, I always like finding one rookie to stash. You can take, don't take two or three. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I am totally fine. You know, look at your top 10 list, and we're going to be talking about a guy who's on that top 10. I don't – I. Kind of did like him as a stash, but now everything's trending in the direction of him being in the minor leagues. But there are going to be, I would say, in the typical top 10 prospect list, wherever you go, and, and go to a few spots and kind of bring them together. But Montgomery's one of those guys that I'll be considering stashing. Um, absolutely. And and I'll just say this, and this can't go for every league, but I, I'm in a league where we keep four guys from year to year. And, Ray, I, I went out in midseason, grabbed Jackson Holiday purely so I could trade him to somebody mm-hmm. who has a lousy collection of players to protect. Right. And I was able to turn him into something to help me down the stretch run. You know, and so that's that's also something. And, and again, that's a very specific setup with right. a few keepers and it's 16 teams there. So you do have some bad teams on the back end in our league. Uh, that you can trade prospects too, but I even in a uh, redraft, you know, if I'm going 29, 30 rounds, I like getting a rookie to take a shot on because e- even if uh, you say, well, I'd rather bid on when the waiver process happens, when they are called up, Ray, people get really pumped and excited, and you can flip them for guys you need, guys who you have a better feel mm-hmm. for, guys you know what they can do. Uh, but I think Montgomery certainly can be a guy to stash. That is our look at the uh, south side of Chicago. Coming up on Monday, north side of Chicago, the Cubbies. Uh, Ray will be taking a look. I'm not going to be here Monday, but Ray will be Boo. taking a look. Well, it's President's Day, Ray. You know me. I'm a big fan of all presidents. <laughs> you so are. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my day off. Have fun at Mount Rushmore, Kyle. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I got, I got a daytime hockey game. 12 o'clock, Blues Maple Leafs, Ray. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, little guy's going with us. He's off school. It's going to be awesome. You'd rather hang out with your son than me. That hurts, I Kyle. would. I would, absolutely. No offense, Ray. I've been hanging out with you for 15 years, you know. Time to time to get sure. with cooler kids, you know. He's, he's doing fun stuff. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Third baseman. Uh, we've been talking about it all week, each and every show this week, tackling a different angle at third base. Today is prospects, and Ray was just talking about stashing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Junior Caminero of Tampa Bay, um, another just stud that Tampa Bay finds. This is how they do it, Ray. Yep. Uh, we're expecting big things, but he's young. 
Um, it's weird. He, he, he got called up at the end of last season. So you're like, well, if you already started the clock. Why not just have him ready to go this season? But the early read is that uh, he's not making this club and they may want to keep him down in the minors. Maybe he's a mid-season call up. Uh, but right now, Caminero, who's one of the top prospects in baseball, uh, he'll be fun to watch from the spring. It'll be fun to see his results. I'm sure there'll be a lift of hype, you know, if he does well. Uh, but you're probably not getting more than 80 games, I guess, of him this season. Yeah, I got a question about him yesterday. Someone asked me, you know, when do we see him kind of thing? Where is he going to hit in the lineup? And I'm like, well, the team basically said, to your point, he's not going to make the opening day roster. Okay. Does that mean he's up on April 12th? Maybe. I mean, it's not, you know, if an injury happens or something, he, he could end up being one of these players that gets 140 games. You know, it could happen. We do have him in our top 10 for rookies this season at fantasyguru.com, but it could be 80 games. We just don't know. Uh, and in terms of where he hits in the order, that's something to be said for a lot of these guys. Caminero projects a third or fourth hitter, probably third hitter, right? He might hit seventh when he's get called up, right? Like there, it's very rare that the youngsters, you know, Colston Montgomery's not going to get stuck in the three spot the day he gets promoted, right? I don't think. So that's something to think about. But yeah, Caminero is someone that everyone, this is another one of these, can't miss kids. I will point out a name that I mentioned earlier. Alex Kirilov couldn't miss kid. Doesn't mean you know, gonna... I can't miss kid. Yeah, you know. So, but everyone does believe that Caminero will be an impact back pretty much off the start of his career. Now, the other guy, Novi Marte, it's different, Ray, mm-hmm. uh, because we're expecting him to be on the opening day roster and starting at third base for the Reds. And what he did last season in 35 games was damn impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a 35 game cameo, but Ray, there's you know, of course, strikeouts, every young guy. But, I mean, like a fantasy player, w- wouldn't we all kill to have a guy at third base that hits uh, 315 with maybe 20 home runs and 25 steals? <laughs> that That's – Marte is going to have that opportunity with the Reds this year. Yeah, I think – and I there's a player – we have a whole scouting report section for all these rookies over at FantasyGuru.com. Remember, promo code FSD20 for the discount on it. And I basically said in that, look – to your point, like, love this kid. There's so many things to like and all that. The problem right now is he doesn't lift the ball. So I kind of jokingly said he's on the Yandy Diaz track right now, mm. right? Because, you know, so stealing 20 bases is easier for him than hitting 20 home runs at this point. Not to say that he couldn't get there one day. I think the expectation is that he does. Um, but he, he is one of the cavalcade of young potential stars with the Reds. Uh, we spend so much time and energy talking about Steer and, and McLean and Ellie De La Cruz because of what they did last season. But Marte could have as big an impact as those guys did last year this season. And uh, there are more guys behind him, Ray. Um, we're going to see a lot of Michael Bush with the Cubs this year. Colt Keith, he was the kid uh, about a month ago, signed that big contract with Detroit, gave up some free agency years, but his clock's probably going to start this year. We talked about Kobe Mayo uh, earlier in the week with Baltimore. Tyler Black with Milwaukee, that that could very easily be a guy who ends up with 100 games played, I think, for the Brewers. Curtis Mead is also in Tampa. He's probably up here before Caminero. This this is a position, Ray, where there is uh, certainly some excitement uh, coming into the season. Yeah, we talked about a couple of positions like first base, and we're kind of like, eh, but third base does have some names, and all of these names will see time in the big leagues this season, and it's potential that all of them have significant contributions for whatever that duration of time is. Um, any of these, let, let's say Marte, Keith, Bush, let's put them in the big leagues. Let's say they're going to break camp. Um, is that all Marte? Is that where you put all your shares of those guys that, that we pretty well assume will be there on opening day? I would. Yes. Uh, that would be my call. That's what the rankings, the rookie rankings also reflect over at fantasyguru.com. I think Marte is, is got a pretty, pretty special skill set. Uh, and I'm excited as everyone is about what the Reds could do offensively, of course. That is a look at third baseman wrapping up the week of all things third base next week. Shortstop is the destination. So we'll give you a full five days on that position. A couple of other news and notes items. And again, with spring training starting up, guys reporting to Arizona and Florida, getting a lot more on this. Uh, we talked about Justin Verlander and Kyle Bradish yesterday. Uh, follow up on them. Verlander throwing a bullpen session. Good news. Kyle Bradish claims he is going to pitch this year. We'll see. I mean, that doesn't change anything for me, Ray. Good to hear you're not, you know, the bad thing would be saying, okay, guys, I'm probably not going to pitch this year. That that would be the, the, the alarming thing from Kyle yeah. Bradish. Claim we're going to pitch. I mean, we talked about this yesterday. Even our best case scenario of 25 starts certainly doesn't sound like that's a possibility when a guy says he hopes he can pitch this year. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's looking with the downward arrow, Kyle. Dave Roberts of the uh, Dodgers says that the plan is for Evan Phillips to be the closer. Uh, Nestor Cortez 
had what 12 starts last year, 10 starts, shoulder issues all year long. He says he's going to be fine for opening day. Uh, we mentioned the name Michael Kopech earlier, best shape of his life, Ray, 20 pounds lighter. Uh, that's another guy, Ray, Mankata and Kopech. You know, these guys were supposed to be the real deal Holyfield, and they haven't come close to that. Kopech had one of the worst seasons in the last 20 years for a pitcher last year. Really? Just, uh, just absolutely brutal. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was he was he was compared to Nolan Ryan. Didn't turn out that way. <laughs> um, Atlanta is planning every day at bats for Jared Kelenic. We'll see. Uh, but if you care of the Nationals, Dave Martinez came out and said, uh, yeah, we're going to have a battle in center field. Uh, Victor Robles against Jacob Young. I don't know anything about Jacob Young, but Ray, I think it says a lot about Victor Robles. <laughs> that you know, He's going to have to, they've given up maybe a little on Robles. Uh, Toronto signing Eduardo Escobar to a minor league deal. Uh, Miami, Uri Perez. Rookie who came up last year looked really good, 128 innings. But Skip Schumacher, Ray, the manager for the Marlins, says there's going to be an inning cap here. Mm -hmm. um, he, he didn't say what the number is, but gosh, 128 innings last year I think should be good for 150 if everything goes according to plan, right? I was wrong last year. I thought, and I wrote about this the day he was called up, I thought 110 was the best case scenario. And he got to 128. I was very surprised by that because he's so young and he's so important to the franchise logically adding 20 innings yeah should be able to do that we'll see um i think it depends where the team is at in the standings it depends how he looks of course but it's very reasonable for me to hear innings cap and think okay he's not throwing 190 innings but i think he can get to 150 and then quickly off the field and in the leather chair uh, rob manfred says that when his current contract expires which i believe is the end of the 2028 season he will go off and walk into the sunset uh, which I think he gets. I, I I understand why people can't stand the guy Ray. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with Manfred. He's a he's a little wooden, little little snide. Kind of got his nose in the air. I think a yeah. little when you know he thinks he's God's gift to baseball. Yeah. But I am a proponent, and you and I disagree on some of these things. I'm a proponent of uh, the changes we've seen. Some of the the artificial changes that people get pissed off about. Well, the game it was smoother last year. It didn't affect ratings. I think they went up even. So, yeah, I mean, no one likes – did any commissioner ever get liked? Not really. Uh, so, you know, it's <laughs> – That's it's a old. good point. Who, who's You know, David Stern, I, you know, he was like, oh, all-time great commissioner. But nobody liked him when he was commissioner. I, I wasn't around for Pete Rozelle too much. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure people didn't like Pete Rozelle in the NFL. Tagliabue didn't really get hated. I mean, nothing like Goodell. No, Gary yeah. Bettman is kind of booed everywhere. He everywhere. Yeah. Bud Selig was never loved. Yeah. I, I Adam Silver with the NBA Ray. Okay. I guess he'd be a guy. No one really moans about him, and he's he looks very like me. So he's you know yeah. dashingly handsome too. Yeah, he's very progressive with trying to make the sport and the game better. But yeah, yeah commissioner's a, a no thank job. You know, kind of like president. And everybody's gonna kind of like fantasy analyst. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So let's bring in another fantasy. Yeah, right? let's let's share the uh, distraught nature of our uh, audience. Uh, well, we're going to talk a little racing, which I don't. We've never done this, have we? we I mean, we have been doing this show. What are we? Episode seventy nine. In the previous seventy eight episodes, we have never gotten to talk racing, but we are going to do that today because the Daytona five hundred is coming up on Sunday, and that commences all of our race coverage here at FantasyGuru.com. Been doing this for a few years now. Rich Maletto, as well as Sean Engel helping you out time in, time out every week. They're breaking down. I mean, and again, this is not just the big boys in NASCAR. These guys, Xfinity, truck races, all of that. Rich Maletto, I believe, is with us on a Friday. There he is. Rich, how's it going, man? It's awesome. We're we're going to have racing today. I'm excited. We had racing last night. We got trucks tonight. I don't know that we'll get to see much tomorrow and Sunday, but hey, I'm good with tonight. I'm, we're going to get our feet wet. I'm ready to go, man. Well, we got we got rain in the forecast this weekend, I guess. Yeah, it's looking. You know, it's funny because it was years, decades and decades. Daytona had never rained out. And now we've hit kind of a little, you know, strut here, or chunk here where it's been a problem the last few years. And so okay. I'm thinking my gut feeling is we'll see the Daytona 500 on Monday. But I'm confident we'll get racing tonight. Hey, we're, that just gives us more time to play around with our lineups and put our bets in. Yep. Uh, so the plan is Sunday afternoon, pending the weather. Um, plans. Let's start here since it's week one of the season. What's kind of the layout of what you and Sean do week in, week out? For those who are maybe new to Fantasy Guru, new to racing, kind of interested in this, 
what can they expect from you guys kind of each and every weekend? Okay, so Sean and I hang out in Discord. We have a betting Discord, a DFS Discord, and we hang out there. We're there on and off all the time. Feel free to tag us, hit us up, ask questions, post lineups. We cheer on everybody in there, you know, when our lineups, especially on Sunday, there's a lot of folks in there, you know, cheering on their lineups and things like that. So there's always that. So, you know, be sure to check that out. But I will have an overview article that'll just kind of touch on some midweek lines for the week drivers we like mostly around cup but there'll be a little bit of xfinity and uh, truck info kind of mixed in i usually provide that that usually will come out thursday nights um i'll also have a specific truck article and cheat sheet that'll come out the day of the truck race sean will be doing the same on xfinity usually it drops saturday and and cup and then again on sunday and new this year sean and i are trying to launch and get going an nascar podcast we actually recorded last night the first show so we're working through getting that up on the appropriate channels and places and looking forward to that i'm not sure that we'll have a lot of guests or things like that on there but it's kind of a work in motion you know trying to get some practice so we can be a little more polished like you chill gentlemen <laughs> well, takes a rich, lot of years rich it does yeah <laughs> have a kid so you don't have to hang out with me rich uh the, that works. I, yeah, I've uh, driven fast cars my whole life, Rich. Superchargers, all this kind of stuff. Ooh. But I don't know jack about <laughs> racing. Okay, I don't. I, I haven't done it. I did it one league years ago. I don't know anything about it. DFS, obviously, is a huge focus. So talk to me and the listeners if they're new to this. Like, how do we go about setting a DFS line? Not even necessarily particulars for this weekend or anything. Just, like, okay. what are we looking to accomplish here? Give us, like, kind of an intro 101 to the DFS space. So there's really two approaches, and it does vary from track to track, but there's basically two approaches for the DFS that you need to focus on when it comes to NASCAR. More or less, you're going to be chasing what we call position differential points. And what it is is you get one point, plus or minus, from where you qualify to where you finish. So say you start 20th and finish 10th, you get 10 bonus points. The reason that's crucial or big is NASCAR scoring is about one point of position. There's a little variance near the top from first place and so on. But for just simple terms, just figure one point for last place and 40, 43 points, whatever you want to think of for first place. So when you think about moving up or back and getting 10, 15 points and bonus points, it's pretty significant. I mean, you talk about being near the front, scoring, you know, 38 points and getting a bonus of 10 points, that's almost 25% of your scoring. It's pretty significant. On the flip side, they also give fractional points for leading laps and fastest laps. So here again, depending on the track, if we're running a place like Bristol with 500 laps, those dominator points are really, really big because they add up. There's a lot of laps. Someone could lead 200, 250 laps and mm -hmm. score all those dominator points, put on all those fast laps. Some place like Daytona where we only run 200 laps or at a road course where it's only 60 laps, that's a whole different ball game. So now those bonus points become really, really crucial. So one of the things I mentioned when, when you guys reached out is, I need to do a better job of focusing on the points. I've always kind of chased who I thought would do well and did fairly well with it, predicting top tens, top fives. But the fact of the matter is, and you talk about this in baseball and football, understand the scoring platform and how it works. Mm -hmm. Just because a guy may only be a top 20 driver, they're starting 36. Again, you're looking at 16 bonus points. Well, scoring, you know, being a 30th place, 25th place driver is only 10, 15, 20 points. Plus the bonus points on top of that, it's pretty significant swing. And it's all about the points, right? I mean, we know that. And in NASCAR, unfortunately, we don't have a consistent scoring line, whether it's cash or tournaments, because there is so much variation from track to track, from race to race. And, and, you know, sometimes you got guys moving from the back to the front. Sometimes we don't have that. So scoring lines can vary. This week, the scoring lines are probably going to be massive. I'm assuming north of 200 and some odd points. When we go to some place like Charlotte, well, some place like Vegas, yeah, we may only see scoring in 140 to 180 points for a pay line. You know, you talk about those starting spots, and I think we got, uh, what, 40 cars that we're hoping to have in the Daytona 500. Um, and I know maybe not everything's fixed yet but are there guys already starting in the 20s the 30s that you kind of like in terms of gaining positioning throughout the oh, Daytona 500 100 percent. one of the coolest things about the daytona 500 is we get a little taste of it with the blue green vacation duels on thursday night 
So we actually get a little bit of a peek behind the curtain on some of the cars that are doing well or doing poorly. One of the things I always note every year when we go to places like Daytona and Talladega, qualifying is relatively insignificant. We don't care how a car drives all by itself on the track because we do pack racing at these events. So they need to handle a prime example were the Toyotas. None of them qualified very well. I think the highest individual qualifier was 19th place, 16th place, something like that. Yet, but two Toyotas are what won the races on Thursday night. One of my favorite picks for this weekend is Martin Truex. He's never won this race in 19 years. He's had some bad luck. So you're going, why in the heck would I do that? The best he's looked under recent memory, in my opinion, was what we saw last night. He went from the back to the front, got kind of collected in some nonsense, just rode around in the back to finish the race. He's starting near the back. I want to say starting somewhere around 27th, 28th, somewhere in that ballpark. I expect him to be contending for a win or at least the top five. That's 20 some bonus points that we're looking at for him. He is going to be higher owned, but at $8,200, he's a bargain. You know, at this, at this track, I'm not worried about the money. There is way too much value found from guys being 7,000 and even cheaper that start in the back that have low risk. And at these races, anything can happen. The last three years, the winner has had Vegas odds of right around plus 3,000 to plus 3,300. So to give you an idea of how wild and open it is, I mean, that's pretty crazy. You don't see those kind of odds in NFL and baseball, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go off script here for a second, Rich, uh, because I'm thinking, you know, again, I'm thinking broadly, it's your first visit here. We're talking the kind of the seasonal look and everything. In horse racing, we talk about the horse and the jockey. In racing, we talk about teams, Ford, you mentioned Toyota. You know, do we go with the team? Is it more about the driver? Is it a combination? Am I totally off base asking that question? What do you think? For a guy that says he doesn't know anything about racing, that is a fantastic <laughs> question, okay? Um, typically, what we see in NASCAR is things are very cyclical. It's very common for a manufacturer or, and or team to hit on something early in the year, struggle a little bit, maybe come back while another team struggled at the beginning of the year and kind of move forward. Toyota got a brand new body and nose this year. Ford got a brand new nose this year. Chevy didn't. We're seeing alliances formed. Front row is not a big name team. However, they signed an alliance with Penske. They are now considering themselves a tier one team. So one, at this, at this particular track, manufacturer to me is going to be a big deal. As we go out throughout the year, absolutely, are we going to kind of hook our horse to the car, the team, and the driver? You know, and above and beyond that, we could start talking, you know, chemistry. Like, you and you and Kyle do a great show because you guys have some great chemistry. That stuff isn't really taught, built, or anything. That's just kind of the nature of your two personalities meshing well. We see the same thing with crew chiefs and drivers. So we go so far, Sean and I are tracking crew chiefs, car chiefs competition directors moving, all these things come into play for the whole teams. So as a general rule, we do talk largely in groups of teams. Uh, Joe Gibbs being the Toyota, the founding Toyota group. Yeah, there's a lot of allegiance with the other Toyotas I'm excited about. But when we talk about Gibbs, Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, Ty Gibbs, um, Martin Truex, there's a lot of overlap. But there is some differences. Truex has a real knack at some of the tracks that you know, Ty Gibbs may not at this point. Denny Hamlin has a real knack for flat tracks, much so more so than Truex does. So when we go to these other venues, the team and the driver are going to come into play. I think horse racing is a great example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rich Mileto with us previewing the Daytona 500. It is set to begin on Sunday at 2.30 Eastern. Um, and of course, Rich and Sean, not only the podcast, but cheat sheets right up all through the week. You, you mentioned Denny Hamlin, three wins um, down here. Um, I'm interested in his outlook for the weekend, but also the outlook for Kyle Bush, who is 0 for 19 at Daytona. Talk about Hamlin and Bush for this weekend as you see it. So I, I do think Hamlin's a, a name to talk about. He's he's has the most wins as far as active drivers at this track. Um he showed well yesterday. In fact, I, I put a bet in Discord for him to win the duel. He was leading the duel until we got to the last turn and ended up third. So I'm still a little salty about that, but it is what it is. Um, as far as Kyle Busch goes, I he called his shot a couple of weeks ago or a week ago. He's due. 
Dale Earnhardt took him 20 years to win this race. Ironically, Dale Earnhardt is the winningest driver at Daytona, but only has one Daytona 500 win, and it took him 20 years to get there. Kyle's kind of in the same boat. This is one of the only crown jewels, if you will, that he hasn't crossed off his bucket list. The team he's driving for, RCR, Richard Childress Racing, they have always done well here. But something that caught my eye this week and that has me a little concerned, historically, RCR never really qualified all that well. They were always kind of in the middle of the pack, a lot like what we saw from Denny Hamlin, Eric jones the toyota group as a whole both dylan and bush really could move forward throughout the race and kyle bush even mentioned this during the race for a guy that was all super excited and kind of calling his shot in his interview yesterday i wouldn't say he was distraught but he mentioned outright we don't have the handling we couldn't move forward we were kind of just stuck riding around out there and in my opinion i see this every year the cars that always seem to qualify well all by themselves they do not drive well in the draft and so i consistently target guys i'll go back to look at qualifying times that are right in the middle and then when we go look at the duel see that they kind of race their way up those are the things i'm targeting I'm not all out. Sean and I talked about Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon. They're both starting in the back. They're both going to have high ownership. They're both going to move forward some. I will be completely upfront and transparent. I'm nervous. I really wanted to see Kyle Busch be the guy this year at this race, and I'm concerned at this point. Rich, we can't do a DFS discussion in any sport and not ask for a value play. Uh, is there someone that you're looking at and thinking there's a va- there's value proposition here for a racer, maybe a, a, a name or two? What are you thinking? There's a whole pile. I could list probably six guys that you could go away with that are going to be well under $6,000 and you're fine with. Todd Gilliland comes to mind. Um, he's starting a little further back because how the duels finished up, but he was near the front at one point. He's done well at this track. Anthony Alfredo's up only $5,200, one of the cheapest guys out there. He's starting in the back. I don't have as many high hopes for him, but like someone like Noah Gregson, who I believe is $5,900, um, he's on a good team. He's had a history of trucks and Xfinity doing well at these types of tracks. He's starting back in 35th. He's well worth it. Quite frankly, you can get away at this particular track, Ray, gambling on any number of guys in that low value range that are starting 30th or later because your risk is almost not existent. All the guys have to do is finish the race and they probably finish 20th. And you just picked up a whole bunch of cheap points for guys that are owned maybe less than 3%. Rich, uh, in closing, um, you know, of course, you'll be having props and wagers and discord. You'll be having the columns out. You mentioned that podcast again with you and Sean. Uh, it will be going up Fridays, Saturdays. What's kind of the plan there with the podcast or things? I'm trying to get that figured out. I do apologize. Um, oh, we were kind of given the, the green light to go ahead with it. Uh, but there's been some miscommunication as far as where it's getting posted, how it's getting posted. Okay. So. We were going to go ahead and put it up on like my YouTube page, um, Spotify, all that, and kind of share the link. But there's been talk about getting it on the Elite Plus link site. And so Armando wanted to reach out to Jeff this morning. And so we're just kind of slow playing it. Our goal is to have it up tonight. Um, We did post or we did record it. We did edit it. Uh, We're very happy with it. It's a little raw, guys. It's our first one. Sean and I are, you know, we didn't have Kyle and Ray there kind of pulling the strings, keeping us in line. So it, it is a little raw. But we're really excited. We think there was a lot of good info. And it should be available on Spotify, iTunes, and all that. And we'll get that posted in Discord. We'll get it posted on Twitter. I know Ray will will share it and get it posted all over the place. So we'll be in communication. I'll probably send you a link via email, Kyle. Gotcha. Sounds good. Uh, Write-up's going to be going up Discord again. If you've got certain guys or certain wagers you're wondering about, Rich and Sean and probably other people will uh, give you some insight there. Uh, Rich, awesome stuff. Enjoy this uh, big race on Sunday or Monday, as the weather may dictate. Um, and we'll be talking to you probably a few spots throughout the year, bigger races, bigger storylines, those kind of things. But uh, certainly appreciate the uh, fun times today and good luck with all the coverage this year. OK, really appreciate it. Sean, Sean is willing to to help out, too. And we're really excited what we got. And, and Ray, I'm going to give a hat tip to the background. That is one of my favorite tracks, and it no longer exists. It used to put on some of the best racing in your backyard, and I really appreciate seeing that in your background. Ray doesn't even know what track that is, do you, Ray? Uh, well, in my backyard, is it Sonoma? I don't even know. Uh, I guess not your backyard. Yeah, it's Fontana, or it was Auto Club, but Fontana. Yeah, because the only one I know is Sonoma. They don't think they had fences quite like that. But yeah, no. I, I've never seen a ra- I've never seen a NASCAR race in person. I've, I've done the drag strip thing, you know that that's oh. amazing. But I've never seen a NASCAR race in person. 
But you like wine, right, Ray? Yeah. <laughs> or, or, then I guess I need a planet trip to come out to Sonoma because I've wanted to do the whole Sears Point Sonoma thing okay, in wine yeah. country. So, you know, it's not quite the same because it's not an oval. You see bits and pieces, but I hear it's a fantastic time. Yeah, the road I, race. Yeah. I even took my 93 Cobra to Sears Point and drag race it one time. They used to let people take their street cars in there and did that. So I even did that Ooh. once 20 years ago or something like that. Right, yeah. I'm gonna and, and I'm gonna have to come out and do the go karting you were doing. I love that yeah. stuff. Every time you post those videos, I'm jealous, man. <laughs> Rich, take it easy, man. Good to see you. Have a good weekend. You too. Rich Maletto, man. Love talking to him, whether it's football, baseball, racing. Good stuff, good stuff from Rich. Uh Ray, that'll take us to the end of the road here on this uh Friday, end of the road for the weekend. Uh for people who are looking for something to do, again, NASCAR is a fun one and um, I don't know. It kind of sucks with the weather. You know, you may have to wait around until Monday. That really takes away some of the uh, attraction, the allure, I think, of the race because it's it's prime time on Sunday. Like I said, they're scheduled for 2.30 Eastern. There's not much else going on. And, mm -hmm. you know, for those who just like a sweat, that can be a fun one. And uh, the DFS does offer a lot of scoring points and bonuses. And so something especially uh, with that race, uh, the standings can change in like a second. You know, if there's that big wreck and half the field gets knocked out and all of a sudden your guy who was in 22nd is up in first <laughs> and you'll see it. it. It will really address in the scoring there. Uh, Ray, have a great weekend. It was fun today. Appreciate it as always. And uh, again, I won't be here Monday, but uh, who do you got? Patio Joe? Or are you guys doing yeah. it? Yeah, next week at the website is kind of home run week. We're going to be looking at the home yeah. run in more detail. But on the show on Monday, we'll look at one of the previous weeks that we have in the preseason product at FantasyGuru.com. Patio Joe will be in. We're talking head-to-head, -head, the right way to do it, the wrong way to do it. And he and I kind of disagree on this, so tune okay. in for that. I'm sure there'll be some fireworks. Yeah, and a breakdown of the Cubs. They'll open up the shortstop position. Whatever news comes out of the weekend that was, uh, those guys will have you covered at 11 a.m. on Monday. Uh, we hope everybody else out there has a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the rest of your Friday, and we'll catch up with you in a few days right here with Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.